Howdy, folks. Welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Melson IV. We're speaking with comedian and podcaster Kyle Lewis. We're talking about pro wrestling, stand-up comedy, Simpsons, and some other topics, too. We take it to a street level on this episode, so if you're offended by language, okay. So, how's it looking out in New York? Um, I mean, right now it's fine. It's getting chillier, you know, it's that time of year. Yeah. Um, people say that it's, it, New York is dead, which is the thing that a lot of articles will tell you, but people are still finding ways to do entertainment, and people are definitely still going out, because we're certain blocks are getting in trouble, but it's not as packed, uh, but it's, we're managing. So I noticed actually, you know, standing out here in DC, like there was a, there was a whole ass block party actually. It was a couple of months ago, actually in last summer, I was like, uh, apparently social distancing isn't a thing here. Yeah. People don't, they don't want to follow it. I don't know what to tell you. They, they just, uh, it should have been the easiest thing in the world, and we did not do it <laughs> at all. It's almost like, kind of like being back in kindergarten and first grade, the whole damn class gets in trouble because that one little bastard would sit his fucking ass down. Exactly, and this time, that the person could die. It's not even like you get more homework, you get deaf. Like, that's that's what happens. Exactly. It's weird. You know? What's your assignment? Gargling. <laughs> all right. Wash your hands 20 seconds. Hey. So that's what I'm doing. Same here. So, you know, so what's it like growing up? Uh, growing up, it was it was cool. I know a lot of comics have usually have like uh, something happen to them. I mean, I, I had a great family, great childhood for the most part. I was just kind of like a nerdy kid. Um, got into wrestling real early. Uh, had some great friends, uh, you know, still had your like high school issues where like, you're just kind of a dork and you don't really fit in. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't really have any like, like bad thoughts of my child, at least that pop up or anything like that. Like I, you know, I have an older brother. I, I, I feel very fortunate growing up for the most part. Yeah, totally. Cause come to think of it, I've never met a comedian that had a happy backstory. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not that it didn't have stuff happen, especially, you know, uh, later in life, but it was, um, it, like, I, I don't, I, my, I don't know my family's kind of thing, at least when I was a kid, was just do well in school and things will work, you know, not things will work out, but, like, you won't get in trouble. So, and I, so I, would, I would listen to parents. I didn't go out and drink. I didn't, just, like, I was, like, I was a super baby-faced kid, uh, Sometimes they didn't think so, because I would be online a lot, so they thought I was, like, conspiring and stuff sometimes, or whatever teenage angst, but I wasn't doing anything. I was, like, pretending to roleplay Kurt Angle, you know what I mean? Pretty dorky kid. I used to roleplay, too, actually. I got a lot of naked pictures from 25-year-old women that way. did better than I did. (laughs) I did. That's a different kind of role playing. Yeah, I was, I was like, nope, I need to win the EWF World Championship. Who needs the girls? No, actually, like the girls very young, like first grade. I was like, she is bad, and then like, <laughs> like I, 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 cooties was not a thing for me. I was all about it. Same here. I was like, I cannot understand this logic behind there. I'm like, what are you babbling about? I think, I think the the change is definitely fifth, sixth grade. I um. In sixth grade, everyone becomes more mature. They want to be cooler. They want to do that. Fifth grade, you can like 
like wrestling and no one <laughs> will make fun of you for it. That's totally, you know. What do you think about it? They'll still like it. They just hide. They like stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. It's been happening. Like, I'll see people from high school and college now, like, full-fledged back into WWE, tweeting about WWE, posting about it. And I was like, all you did was make fun of me for watching Raw when it was actually at the high points. Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't... I don't know. My favorite one, like, what is this weird obsession and nostalgia with the Backstreet Boys? I'm like... I know y'all were not fucking with Backstreet Boys back then. Now, is it like an irony thing? What do you think? I think it was people, uh, and they did—they they just didn't want to admit it. I—I um, I, I would listen to everything. I was—I was the black kid that listened to white music and quote unquote, um, <laughs> in, in school and stuff. Uh, but I, you know, I would listen to Backstreet. But even even when I was younger, I was like, uh, I don't, I don't. Until the call came out, and I was like, you know what, I'm embracing it. This song slaps. Uh, but like, I think so many things, especially around the 2000s, it was so cool to reject certain things and project a certain image that like you didn't allow yourself, or a lot of people didn't allow themselves to like enjoy things publicly, and that. Because I graduated in 04, and I feel like right after that, when the emo phase came in and things like that, and I could be wrong, uh, things started to get more accepted, like, like especially in the hood. People were in, like, skateboarding at Paramore and My Chemical Romance and things that if I mentioned that five years ago, I was like, hey, guys, you like, not Linkin Park, but, like, Edema? Damn. They beat the shit out of me. <laughs> I know, <laughs> yeah. right? And they try to pretend, oh, this never happened. No, five years ago, y'all were terrible people. I don't know yeah. where this shift happened, but y'all were awful people. But I guess the difference is now, since we're since people get fired through social media posts and tweets, no one's going to admit stuff now or pretend they were better people. I guess yeah. it's a theory. No, nah, everyone, there's, a lot, there's always a lot of revisions history, you know? Uh, you can go to school with a bully for four years and then they can add you on Facebook two years later and be like, hey man, remember all the good times we had? And we're like, no, I hated you. You were <laughs> miserable. Yeah, it was great for you because you discovered you had the strength to pick up a child and put him in a dumpster. Not good for me. Yeah, exactly. I was dumpster kid. Oh yeah, you were a dumpster kid. Like, And then, wow. Right. And they want to hit you with a pyramid scheme and you're like, oh boy. I know, right? What is up with that? <laughs> Oh my god, one of our homies is a scam is a grifter now. Oh, like a straight that's like his his LinkedIn occupation. Like <laughs> he's like a grifter. Uh actually her. I just like saying the word grifter. Her, nice. You know, I like old timey words sometimes. Like you hear it often grifter. You know? Yeah. They say scam no, too much. It. It, it it sounds cooler if you're if you're a grifter, you're like, Oh, a grifter. Uh, I wonder yeah. what they do when they're really just stealing your information. They're exactly they're not playing three card Monty. Exactly, like there's no little Hannibal mustache and everything. No, not at all. No cool, like, gambit-looking coat. None of that. I can almost hear the little, the piano playing in the background, you know, like the chromatic... Yeah. That's what we need. If you're going to scam people, you got to get the look back. You got to have the grifter look, the mustache. Yes, top hat, black cape. Tie someone to a train track if you need to. Exactly. Do it all. Exactly. All right, so comedically, how would you describe your style? Um, I would I would describe my style as just I I like to talk about life, uh, I like to talk about my life, I guess selfish style. <laughs> uh, I like to talk about my life and just kind of things that surround it. Uh, I don't 
want to compare it to, you know, somebody like, see, all these people get in trouble, like Aziz Ansari and stuff like that. But he's not the only person who's talking about his life. So, like, uh, especially my earlier uh, comedy, I would talk about dates I went on or dating or how dating affected me. It was a lot of date humor. And then now I'm, I'm, date humor is still there. I kind of talk about dating as a whole. I also talk about just, like, certain ways, like, just being black or, like, my childhood or things that affect me. So whatever, like, situational is the word. It was a really long way to say situational. Oh, yeah, because I remember some of your earlier videos when I think it was one of the Gotham Comedy Club videos. And I'm not going to fuck the joke up. I remember one. It was pretty damn funny, though. I can't remember which one it was. Well, of course, you wrote it, though, so obviously you know which one. It was something about, like, you want a date with somebody else. Even though it was a piece of fried chicken involved. I can't remember the fucking Yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. That was funny as <laughs> shit, though. I'm not going to fuck Thank it you. up. You know? That was the very first set, yeah. yeah. Um, that was the infamous chicken incident where uh, I uh, pretty much got mugged for a piece of chicken. Or just <laughs> went down the wrong, uh, you know, you go down the wrong part of Williamsburg. And, it's if, and if you're not familiar with New York, there, but you're familiar with gentrification, there are nice parts and there are are not nice parts, and sometimes those parts are separated by one block. Very true. Very, <laughs> so, very uh, true. Yep. So we went down, we got some food, went down the wrong part, and that guy was like, oh man, you got some wings? Let me get one of those wings. And I didn't want to die over a piece of chicken, so gave him that, gave him that wing. Especially being black. Terrible way to die. <laughs> <laughs> true, you know. Alright, so... Biggest influences comedically? Uh, biggest influences comedically, uh, definitely Dave Chappelle. Like, Dave Chappelle is number one. I mean, there's... I'm one of those weird people who, like, I'll watch stand-up and, like, not laugh, but it's very funny. Like, I'm very weird, and I hate that I am. Like, I, like, I, like I want to go to a psychiatrist and be like, what is wrong with me? Because, uh, but Dave, uh, especially, like the way he can just go up there and talk about anything and and it is hilarious he can be and he can also be very serious and he can make you think and he can make you wonder uh i think that is incredible he's he's one of those guys that like i've never had the privilege of watching him live but if you watch him live you like you're you're sitting there and all you're like standing you know you know you know what i mean like it's like in wrestling when they're all watching behind the curtain like you like you're definitely watching dave uh i'd hate to bring up aziz again but he was one of those comics that was like oh you can kind of talk about yourself and do this and that and like i i got more into him ron funches reached recently yes uh yeah because he's also ron funch he's one of those people that'll that makes me feel more comfortable with myself like you know if i want to make a joke about like dragon ball z or something and i'm like oh no one's gonna get that well make it anyway you know yes and if you can make it funny to a general audience as well then that's even better that's yes. awesome so him and um and people like they're they're up and coming like there's a comic nori davis who's up and coming like i've done some shows with him or acquaintances he's another person that will have like a great joke about just black lives and then his next joke will be about ninja turtles and they're both hilarious and they're both like if if that if two people in the crowd don't get it they don't get it but like it it makes me be like okay maybe don't retire like don't like steer into your jokes a little more like be more confident and like if you want to talk about something nerdy talk about something nerdy if you want to talk about something serious talk about something serious 
like guys like that. Oh yeah. You know. I'm sorry I didn't mention any women. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's cool. I don't mean to. You know, I put it this way: when they pop up, it'll probably pop up. You know, like I know some female comics too, and they're fucking hilarious. Like one of my best buds is Aaron, is a woman named Aaron Jackson, mm-hmm. and she's awesome. She's like the first female comic to make my sister laugh. My sister hates female comics. Oh, that's interesting. So, that being said, Aaron Jackson's the first one to ever make her laugh, though. So, you know, I would say that's actually pretty impressive, you know? No, that's awesome. That's a, that's a great comic there. Exactly, you know. So, what'd you get into wrestling? Uh, I got into wrestling in 92. I saw the, the tail end of WrestleMania 8. Before then, I only knew two wrestlers. I knew Hulk Hogan. I knew the Ultimate Warrior. And I don't know why I knew them. I just knew I knew them. So, <laughs> WrestleMania 8 is when Papa Shango and Sid are beating up Hulk Hogan, and then the Ultimate Warrior comes out and saves them. So, like, my two favorites, it's like seeing Batman and Superman, like, kick ass together. So you're like, this is the greatest thing in the world. And then I didn't stop watching from then. You know, similar background, like, I remember I was watching around 86 or 87. I just remember I had, like, every WrestleMania, every WWF, WWF action figure. You know, that was like my shit, though, you know? Yeah, the big LJNs. Fuck yes. <laughs> you know? Shit, remember like... We had a couple. I had, I know I, I had more Hasbros and LJNs, but I think we had like an Iron Sheik and like a Nikolai Volkov. Like, we had random ones. <laughs> I don't know why my parents got us the the foreign guys. But, I think I had uh, a Terry Funk one. Oh, nice. Like, that was one of the first wrestling names I said outside of Hulk Hogan was Terry Funk. You know, nice. you still, when you're a kid, you still learn to talk and recognize stuff, you know? Yeah. That's so, a cool last name. Yeah. Shoot. Well, you ever heard that weird story about him and his cousin, Billy Bob Thornton? They're legitimately cousins? They're legitimately cousins. Oh, wow. That's wild. I had no idea. Me neither. I was like, let me look this up. I look on my IMDb. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> that is such an interesting Family photo, family holidays. Yes, it is. That is awesome, though. The Terry Funk was really cool. I I remember we had to uh, when I was in the uh, busted open days. He was a uh, we had to call him for like the history of like Texas wrestling. So like having to talk to him, he was really chill. And then I think he forgot that he thanked me, and he called me again to thank me. He called me back to thank somebody else, and he was like, and I was like, no, this is a different guy. He's like, oh, that interview. Well, I love that interview too. No. I was like, thanks, Terry. It was so random. Yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of speaking of busted open, so what was that like? Um, it was fun. It was uh, there was there. I feel like there were two parts of it, and this is like probably the first time I've actually spoken about it on a podcast. Uh, because when I first started, I I started like just kind of as a fan going to the shows apparently like while they were recording, and it was just kind of like there. Then in like 2013, they needed social media help, so I was like. That's all I do is tweet about wrestling. I will gladly help with that. So we started that. We started like filming the videos, and if you remember the olden days of tweeting, the busted open feed from two to four was pretty much nonstop. That was all me asking every question under the sun to just try and get engagement. And that you know passion led me to being promoted to a producer with Mary. We were a co-producer for a bit, and then I was just a uh, their main producer and I think when that hit at a couple around the same time like new management came in 
and that's when like things started to clash because I think there were a lot of heads budding about how to take the show and what direction and A, B, and C. And then I think despite doing as much as I could for them, I think I just got cross, got caught in the crossfire of a rebranding, and that was it. Okay, so no sour grapes or anything? No, you know, you think about it sometimes. I think it worked out. I wish, what I wish, I wish I got to, like, say, like, a goodbye. Like, actually, and I think the same for Mary. I think there were so many of us that, uh, like, put pretty much heart and soul into it to just kind of be dismissed over the on your off day and then be like, well, it's a new show. And let me clarify that it's not Dave, it's not Doug, it's not the host. Like, that, they had, this is business management stuff that, like, they had no control over. They weren't, like, get rid of them. It just happened the way it happened. But I think, because I listen to the show occasionally, I think what happened to the show, and I think it's still a very good show, it went from being, like, a fans-only show to, like, a professional and fan show, if that makes any sense. It was like yeah. when like Metallica's doing garage band music and then now they have the label and the label's backing them and all that stuff. When we were yeah, when we were doing it, I in my opinion, I felt that we were never backed by management. Like they did not care, you know, I did all the YouTube, everything was kinda grassroots and now they have like that backing. They have the if you see a Zoom interview it says Sirius XM busted open. Like they have all that. And they're doing a great job. They have they have awesome hosts. It's it's very smart to have, you know, the Mark Henrys and stuff of the world in there. But there's like a tale of two different shows, in my opinion. I don't I don't know how the fans feel, but I remember there was the the most the big buzz I remember about Bus Open Radio was the Leo Rush and Mark Henry thing. Yeah, I don't know if that was ever discussed on air. No, it wasn't actually. In fact, yeah. um, the number that Mark Henry um, posted out everything, that number didn't work. <laughs> oh, jeez. I tried it out because I was bored. Yeah. Because Leo says, uh, the number isn't working, so let me see. It really wasn't working, so. That's all and I would. They did a... Oh, somebody's driving by. Undertaker or something. Weird-ass motorcycle. No, um, <laughs> I, I wish they... Uh, and they did they they did a good job with their Black Lives Matter episode. Mm-hmm. They did a good job with that. I wish they would touch on more social issues. Personally, I don't I don't listen enough. I, you you kind of don't really listen. To <laughs> go back to your old job when you're done with it, you know. But um, I do I do wish that they would touch on. Uh, you know, when you hear things. Uh, in the wrestling business, maybe call some more stuff out. And maybe they do. Maybe they, like, someone would have to tell me. But I definitely felt there were moments, I think things would happen, and I hear, I hear like, they're talking about, like, impact. And you're like, no, I think there's a bigger story here. Yeah. But, I think it's a bigger story impact. But I also understand that, like, they're a, a company, and you don't want to mess up those relationships. Like, yeah. you know, you get Matt Riddle on and you grill Matt Riddle about his sexual assault and you're not getting any of the wrestler <laughs> again. So, <laughs> I don't know. that. Those are all things out of my um, jurisdiction. Like, I can't do anything about it. If I was producer, I would try. And then that would be up to me and management. That's all I can say about my quarterback producing. But it's a very different show than when I was there four years ago. And they're doing great, so shout out to them. 
I almost spat my drink at when you suggested that, by the way, about the Matt Rutherford. Oh. I almost spat my drink at I mean, I think you should call him out. I remember um, an old episode of the No Busted Open, Doug, we had that producer on that I had Scott Hall, who was like super, had Scott Hall be drunk at an event. And Doug, I think, called, he was either on or he, we tried to get him on because Doug, who definitely would shoot first and ask questions later, uh, was going to shoot and ask questions. So yes, we shoot all right. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you need that mix, and hopefully that's what they hopefully hopefully that's what they do. I haven't li- I'm probably gonna listen soon because I haven't listened since like the Black Lives Matter one. I gotta really sit down and listen because there are few wrestling podcasts I really listen to. You know, because mm. you know there were times I worked really long hours and everything, so I listen to something to wrestle with Bruce Prichard and also of course Jim Cornette experience. And also drive through as well. You know, let's feel the podcast as well. Check out too. You know, you know, I'm no, really... there's a lot out there and there's a lot of options. So, oh, yeah. um, there, I think they're a great option if you have Sirius. I know they have the podcast now too. Yeah. Uh, which, which I've never, I, I think it's just a condensed version of the show, maybe minus the calls. I'm not sure. But, I'm I, I'm I'm always rooting for them. I'm always rooting for Dave. It's weird that Dave is like a personality now. <laughs> like I see Lagreca head. We're used to see Lagreca heads and all that other stuff. And like you know, like I wouldn't have lunch with this dude. But great, great. Like again, great for them. So, what are your thoughts on wrestlers that go into or went into stand-up comedy? I mean, I, wrestling in the stand-up comedy, I I don't have a problem with it if it's if it's going to benefit everyone. Like if you're going to have a Dolph Ziggler show, and Dolph Ziggler has other great comics on there, then by all means, like sometimes you gotta get the butts in seats. But just like wrestling, put them in a spot where like they're not where people are everyone people are getting as many people are getting as elevated as possible and then you you know you bring out whether he's your headliner or next to headliner he comes out he does his thing and then people leave the show and be like yeah Dolph Ziggler was good Dolph Ziggler was better than I thought he'd be but that like Kyle Lewis or that Ron Funches or you know something like that that I think that I think that's that's how you use them if I, if I was booking actual wrestlers at comedy shows which I did. I had stoked me out the way. What am I talking about? Yeah, totally. And he did a great job. Oh, yeah. Wait, 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 what? I've had Stokely Hathaway on a couple of shows um, in the past couple of years. And, you know, that's kind of how I did it. I mean, it's no secret. Like, he'd be next to last or so. And he was new, so you don't want to put him last. Like, that's not fair. Uh, you know, you put him in a good spot. You should do this with... Not just wrestler comics, but comics that you know might need that a certain spot. You put them in a certain spot, and then your headliner comes out and crushes it, and got a good show. Like, I guess the reason why I'm surprised because I didn't know Stokely to stand up. I had no idea. Yeah, he did a couple of shows. Um, you know, it's harder now with the um, with the schedule he's on, but he um, he reached out. We had him on in like November 2018. Was one show we had him on. And then uh, right before the pandemic, he reached out again. And this one was a little more frustrating to do because we couldn't advertise him because WWE, um, I shouldn't, 
because because of reasons. Uh, so like gotcha. all the ads had his picture, but there was no like people thought I was scamming them, and I was like, no, he's gonna be there. Like I can't put. I literally couldn't put his yeah. indie name. I couldn't put his WWE name. I couldn't mention WWE. I couldn't, uh, and that's 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 all that stuff again out of my control. But he did a great job when he was on, and it was kind of a wrestling themed show, and everyone who was on there. From like Calf Barbadoro to like Hannah Harkness to Christian Wilson, uh, all did incredible. Christian Duran, it was a great show. Yeah, cause all right, I've seen like Foley do stand up, right? I think like, well, I don't know, technically officially, cause I was over at some of DC Improv, right? You know, mm. all right, he was actually pretty good. You know, great raconteur actually. You know, I thought the story about the about Terry Funk's uh, mystery punch and everything that was hilarious. You know. Cause I was thinking about a lot of guys like, all right, you guys are more spoken word than anything else, you know, mm. if anything, but you guys are fucking hilarious at the same time, you know? So no, it's... I agree. Uh, like Jake, the snake, I saw Jake, the snake go and he just tells stories. And I think that's what you want from, uh, your wrestler slash comics and storyteller. I don't think Dolph Ziggler wants to do that. I think Dolph actually has like bits and, He's more of a like joke person, and you can, uh, whatever your opinions on his comedy or your opinions. I still haven't seen but it. He was fine. I think he was. He's new, <laughs> you know. He's still he's green. Fine. He's he's working. Yeah, he's a little green, but he's working with great comics. He's got. Uh, he was just as dedicated to it as he was with stand up and like we're not friends so let me clear that up I'm not, like, okay he's not so this is impartial right here yeah yeah he's not talking to me about it but i was i was at the show and i saw the show and he he did well and it's one of those shows i wish like i was able to go up on because i was like oh i got some wrestling jokes like i would have killed but who knows maybe after the pandemic you ever th- it's kind of weird like how wrestlers get really territorial with the business you know like I wouldn't say kayfabe's dead. I feel like it's mutated, though, right? Do you ever, yeah. you ever feel like some stand-up comics might feel a bit territorial as well? Like, hey, man, I don't, I don't go into the locker room. What, what gives you the right to pop into here? Is there oh, absolutely. Feel I like think, that? Um, yeah, a lot of people are very protective of their spots and protective of. Uh, they'll help out certain people. They won't help out everybody, and that's. Uh, I don't. This is not anyone I'm, I'm calling out in particular. But, there, you know, you'll definitely have moments where you're booking somebody. And there are two methods of thinking here. People don't like spot trading, that they like to call it. Where like, oh, I'll book you, you book me, I'll book you, you book me. But um, I think sometimes you, 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 you return the favor, in my opinion. You don't have to book them every time. But if I've booked you on, like, four of my shows and you have a successful show and you don't even want to give me the – the time i'm i'm a little slighted i'm like what's what's going on here unless you do unless you legit think i'm not funny then okay that's fine but you know that never comes up it's it it, but it it's like anything it, it can be very territorial but i've also seen a lot of comics be very open and supportive and try and get their friends booked and not like hey, you should book like sending tapes and making sure like this person gets elevated like if i can elevate somebody not that i'm like on Showtime or anything or have a Netflix special. But if I can, if someone's looking for comics and I can't do it, I would try and give as many names as possible, you know? Oh, yeah. It's it only right. helps. 
told, you know. I don't know, kind of, it's kind of way weird about, like, how people book their friends and everything. I think I, I went on one rant like that, but the last time I ranted about that, a tennis racket popped in my hand out of nowhere. So. Oh, jeez. Exactly. <laughs> uh uh, no, I, I've, I've booked, you know, I've, I, I, my monthly shows, they're people that I like, but I also do book people like I've heard or I've seen a tape and I'll reach out and they, um, or if I seen them at a show, I don't know them that well, but like, Hey, you know, if you have the time, you're funny, we'd love to have you on. And it's been good. The one time I booked somebody who like, I did not know, but they reached out to me and I used to have a no tape rule on my show. I was like, Cause it's so hard for people to get com like to get spots. I'm like, I don't want to be the tape guy. Like, just show up and I trust you. And this guy, he had a very unconventional set, which I've seen kill elsewhere, kill elsewhere, but did not kill in my room. And it ended with him like almost stripping naked to the point where people are looking back at me like ready to cancel me. And I'm like, I didn't know he was gonna do this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he was going to do this. I trusted him. <laughs> oh my God. It sucks because he was a very nice guy, but it was just a weird, weird bit that didn't work. It just didn't work that night. <laughs> but he made it a night you'll never forget. <laughs> I don't know if it struck me funnier. <laughs> all right. Okay. So, all right. So, speaking of which, there's a, of course, there's an obvious difference between stand up and you know storytelling of course you know it's like but i'm trying to figure out like okay you would know better than i because i'm trying to figure out but I never gonna get a clear answer maybe to because people try to protect the mystery all right how would you describe stuff guys like ron white to do like the long it's like they're still they're still doing stand up but it's more like in a storytelling kind of way like how would you just kind of describe that style um i would describe it as a stand it's still stand up it's still stand up slash story like it's Stand-up slash storytelling. I don't think uh, it needs a fancy label, you know? Some people have very long-form jokes. Uh, I'm working on trying to shorten mine sometimes. I think uh, some people are joke, 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 joke. Uh, there's a comedian, Daniel Laitman, who's like, has these Mitch Hedberg-esque, and I say this, you know, with love, of course, not like, don't put them on the same pedestal, but it, it that's what it reminds me of. Uh, he, he has these just quick fire joke, joke, joke. Like they'd be great tweets, but they're also yes. funny out loud. And me, I'm very like, I I might take a little longer to get into a certain joke, like that joke about the chicken. It might take a couple of steps. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It might be wrong if I want to get a last uh, comic standing or not, not even last comic standing. America's got talent, but I think, you know, there's room for both. All right. Cool. Because I never could get a clear answer for my stand-up comic books. Got some good advice and tips, though, from stuff I wrote, though. But nonetheless, I can never get a clear answer. Yeah, so, it's, you know, sometimes things will work, sometimes they won't. And uh, I actually just got advice last week to, like, um, try and trim some stuff down. That's kind of how I talk. Like, I just kind of talk to, uh, I say too much sometimes. And you just something you need to cut some of the sentence out and get to it quicker. But... So what's your process when you're writing? Uh, I just try and think about certain scenarios and I think about certain things that happened. Uh, like most recently I've been work I've worked on a, um, I my day job I've been dealing with, uh, I respond to uh, 
website I do what is it called I'm a moderator I'm a moderator for a nerd website so I talk about whatever Spider-Man or Star Wars or whatever and I have to like talk to these fans and the fans are not always nice and there was an article about like will there be a black Superman someday and that's when the racists like really come yeah. out and I'm like oh here we go and then I was like you know like Superman's not black he's white he's this he's that and it's a fucking like, well, alien. He's an alien. Yeah. Thank you. But, but if you really want to play that game, he's more black than anything else. Yeah. And that's part of my bit. Like, you know, he's got the Jerry Curl. He's got <laughs> the name Kal-El. And, like, there's other parts to him. But I'm like, if you want to play that game. And so, I, you know, I'll draw from that. And I'll sometimes I'll write it out. Sometimes I'll just kind of have it in my head and see how it goes. Just like if I'm going to like go to a mic or like I have like a show that I want to test it on. And then uh, I'll take it from there. And of course, workshop, workshop, workshop. Yeah. Because I remember hearing stories about guys like Chris Rock when they're working out jokes and everything. They literally had the notebook out and everything. Yeah. No, a lot of people are way more thorough and better than I am at it. Uh, I've definitely seen comics now. They have an Excel spreadsheet, which is one of those things where I was like, I'm going to do this. And I don't do it because I hate Excel. Uh, they have their whole joke with like what worked, what didn't work. Uh, different color codes and all that and I was like that is dedicated and that is great and there's definitely nothing wrong with having the joke book if you have if you can if it works better for you to sit down and write by all means do it all right speaking of comics stand-up comedy and movies what were your thoughts on Joker uh, believe it or not I have not seen it I don't know how I've gone this whole year without seeing it, but I have not seen it. I don't know how I work at my job, and I don't know. I maybe know one or two spoilers, but they don't even stick out to me. Like I, It was one of those movies that came out. I'm so bad at seeing things in theaters. It came out, and then I, I missed the theater run, and I was like, I'll watch it when it comes out. And then I, it came out on HBO, and I just haven't sat down to watch it because I'm watching something stupid. So I mean, I'm not gonna I, lie. I that movie scared the shit out of me. I mean, here's the reason why: I was really afraid it was going to inspire people to try anti comedy. I was just terrified of that shit. You know, I was oh yeah horrified by that. I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I was also. I mean, I know people thought they would um kind of take it into their own hands and be like kind of anarchists themselves, or especially in the in the comedy world. Uh. I know it's not like he's not a hero in the movie. He's it's it's Joker's, it's a Joker story. I won't say it's his origin story, but it's a Joker story. Totally. And I've heard good things, and I've also heard people be like, "Eh," but I'll get around to it someday. There's only one scene that I kind of wish happened. I think would have been a lot better though. But this is in my head. Of course, you know about the iconic scene, the one where he's, where he's dancing down the steps and everything, right? He's oh yeah, that right? I know. Okay. There's the fucked up part of me that I just wanted to see, like, it's all just a fantasy sequence. The reality is he done just busted his ass and fell down a bunch of steps. I think that would have been good. I think that also would have been funny. Yes! <laughs> it would have been not only, would it, not only would you have thought, like, put, he was a little pathetic, but you also would have thought it was funny. For the character, it would have made more sense, actually, because I'm like, because a lot of stuff is him having delusions, right? So wouldn't it yeah. make more sense, instead of him dancing on clown makeup, it's just him... 
at the footsteps as a tea kettle. No, you can do the exact same scene, and you can do all the dancing and all that, and then you kind of fade it out, and he's like, his head's busted open. uh, (laughs) Exactly. And he's leading. He's just down there making me laugh. I'm all about it. Exactly. I can't even say it without laughing. And, okay, I can't say it's a spoiler because the movie's been on for like a freaking year. Yeah. No, it's, it's, that's all me. I get it. It's all good, you know. There are other parts too, you know, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. So you were on three man booth, right? Yeah, I uh, I owned. Uh, it's my thing, my brother and I, and the third man. All right. So what was? So how did it come about? Uh, three man booth came about when uh, this was like 2012, 2011. Wrestling was like super negative. Fans were angry at everything, and sometimes they were right. Sometimes it was like, calm down. It's not that bad. Um, and we like all we do is talk about like fun times like hey remember when this happened when that happened uh, or look at this fan art remember the, the we, how we just like gushed over ljn's and we we're like yo there are no sites like that right now we should make a site like that where it's more focused on the positivity and fun side of pro wrestling so we did that we started the site and we started doing like weekly raw recaps where like it add like memes and we would incorporate people's tweets into it so you were getting like a real-time update of like if you missed raw you saw the synopsis and then you saw like people's immediate reaction. And then you saw a meme, which was like sometimes hit or miss. <laughs> now that I look back at them, I'm like, oh, you know, when you write something, you're like, oh man, this is great. Now I'm like, oh, these were bad jokes. Oh yeah. Uh, so we do that for Raw. We did it for Total Divas as a joke and then it got popular. So we had to do it for five more friggin' seasons <laughs> to the point where even E was like, oh man, we hope you guys recap it again. And we're like, Okay. Well, what, what, E Channel? Yeah, the E the E Network. Like they were they they noticed y'all. You're saying? Yeah, they noticed. Our, I don't think there were a lot of Total Divas recappers out there. Shit. So they were like, yeah, and you were like, oh man. <laughs> Not that we didn't watch the show anyway, but it's different when you're watching and you have to like recap. Like it's a different mindset. Oh totally. Um, and do the same thing pretty much back to back with Raw and Total Divas. But in addition to that, we wanted to spotlight merchandise. We wanted to spotlight theme songs. And we would like, or we did like a March Madness NX theme where we took 64 NXT themes and, you know, you could decide the winner. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And honestly, our personal lives just got in the way. Like my, uh, the third man's like, he had a different job. My brother has a very intense job. And busted open was like picking up steam of like three days a week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So like when I when can I do my raw recap Thursday to release it on a Saturday? You know it it just kind of it 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 ran it ran its course, and you know we still have our Instagram. We do have a really fun TikTok, which is just a bunch of shit posts that people seem to enjoy. So we're we're still around, but the website just kind of like a trip down memory lane if you missed the past four years of wrestling and the, now check that out and then go check out tiger driver 9x like they're cool watch them <laughs> we did our part yeah, check them out yeah, now yeah them dudes um yeah, christian right them tiger driver dudes yeah he was the one he was he's he was the one to turn 21 and dressed with stone cold steve Austin, right yeah he gave me the uh, stunner <laughs> yes I Which like I feel bad because I told him uh, that week he was looking for someone to do the rock flip. And I was like, I can totally do the rock flip. 
And I forgot that I've gained about 20, 30 pounds since the last time I did a rock flip. So that's why it looks that way. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. What are your thoughts on a new day getting split up, or at least switching different brands like Big E's on SmackDown and Kofi and Xavier Woods are on Raw? Um, I think, I hope it works out for all three of them. I think what I don't want to see is if the, when the New Day loses the tag titles, that Kofi is still a tag wrestler. And I'm not saying Joe Woods by the wayside. Xavier Woods has, he can be in a, he can also be in a main event picture. But they made Kofi a main eventer a year and a half ago. And then they literally in eight seconds, you know, got rid of them with WWE and Drew and especially Raw needs top baby faces. So when the New Day loses that title, I want to see Kofi back in that main event title picture. I want to see him, whether it's him against Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton versus The Fiend. I don't know who, whoever the world champion is. I don't want him to be just a tag wrestler. With Big E, I'm concerned that the end game is Roman Rock. And that Big E is going to be lost in the shuffle. That's a damn good point, you know? Yeah. Because if it's not... You first. Yeah. If it's not Roman Rock, then this that's your WrestleMania match. And please give it to Big E. Hell, have, <laughs> people won't be happy about this, but Kofi wins the Raw title. Big E wins the SmackDown title. I don't know. Woods is Woods. Uh, and he, um, the three of them together, that, that's your closing WrestleMania. You know, kind of replacing the Benoit Guerrero that we can't really talk about anymore. That's an amazing picture to me. But we'll see, we'll see if that actually happens. So, have you noticed a kinship between stand-up comedy and wrestling? Oh, absolutely. Stand-up comedy and wrestling are the exact same thing, in my opinion. It's, it's got the uh, drama about it. People get to go up and pretty without the actual wrestling. Uh, you're pretty much cutting promos yeah, for much. seven minutes, five if you're lucky, five to seven minutes, even longer. Uh, and that's why I think there's so many comedians who are wrestling fans, because we're out of shape and we can't do the physical stuff, but you can make the entrance. You can get the pop. You can have the catchphrase. You can do all all the cool parts about wrestling. Uh, they're definitely one and the same, and that's why wrestlers are switching over to comedy every now and then, and that's why most stand-ups love watching pro wrestling. It makes sense, you know. I mean, I do see a strong parallel between both of your art forms. You know, even the travel schedule is very similar. Oh yeah, the travel schedule too. I mean, I'm not. I would love to, well, pre-COVID, I'd love to be on that travel schedule. <laughs> but the travel schedule would be very brutal because if you're not performing, like, what like what are you doing, you know? Exactly. You, you want to be a road comic. You want to get, um, just like you want to be on the road, the indies or WWE or AEW or any of them. Oh, yeah. So what are your thoughts on AEW? Um, I think AEW is good. I don't think it's the WWE killer that so many people make it out to be, they definitely have their issues too. But I, I, I watch every week. I usually enjoy, uh, I, there's certain wrestlers I do like, there's certain, I don't just, they do stupid stuff too. Uh, the revival or D what do they call now? FTR. I remember th- there'll definitely be moments where I'm watching dynamite. And I'm like, if they put that hot dog shirt on WWE shop, people would have lost their minds. When they, they dressed as the hot dog, or like the the best friends dressed them up as weenies on a t-shirt. 
and, and you know, you have your AEW fans like defending me. Well, that's because it's their character. And you're just like, oh, all right, cool. But I think they had a great first year. I think they only had one miss in terms of pay-per-views. Their last one was seemed like the one where Matt Hardy almost died. Yes. <laughs> that one. Um, I think they only had one miss in terms of a pay-per-view, and that's uh, – uh, but most of their publicity has been good, and I hope more for them for year two, and as long as you can keep people safe and not bring more fans in when Florida's like, bring more fans in, um, I think they're going to continue the rise. I think so too, you know, I mean, I mean, the first, <clears throat> I mean, the first show actually was in Washington, D.C. Oh. And you know you what? Go? No, um, I no. didn't. And the cool thing about it was that event, it was at um, Capital One Arena, right? It actually sold it out. WWE, has, WWE hasn't done that out in years. You know, so that's I was like, cool. yeah. So I was like, yo, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think people really wanted to see AEW, see what AEW was like. And yeah. I think um, I think they have more. This, it was only there, It's only been their first year. Yeah. So they're going to have more stuff. They're going to have... They're they're looking to get Kenny Omega towards the main event. It seems like, uh, like I know we're getting. I don't know which one's the heel. I don't know how Adam Page became the fate. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> but, I have no idea anymore. It feels like, you know, it kind of feels like they're trying to pro, they're trying to progress it actually, and I don't really mind that idea because I love the idea. But yeah. when they did say sports based presentation, I had a bit of a different expectation when they said that. You know? Yeah, I think. Uh, uh, what, what were you expecting? Okay, like when I thought sports-based presentation, I was thinking like, okay, I was thinking more New Japan. I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. Whatever doing New Japan, I thought they're going to do it over here, like the 60-minute Iron Man match. I mean, it's just stuff like that, you know, which was nothing new, but just give them more of like make me kind of make me forget, you know, make it so I don't feel embarrassed sharing this with somebody I know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's the best no, way I, to put I, it. I, I definitely I get that, and I think um, New Japan does an incredible job with that. Yes, that's one of those I don't keep up with, but every time I watch, I'm like, oh shit, this is wild. <laughs> like New Japan definitely has its uh, fans. I think AEW, they, ooh, sorry, I think AEW, they toe the line between sports and entertainment. You know, you'll have your your huge. You'll have your dog collar match, but then you'll have your like mimosa match, or your um the the football field match that they did, which was excellent. Like oh, yeah. the, the the second best cinematic match. I don't even think it was cinematic. It might have been live. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Um, like so they're they're towing that line, and I think uh yeah their next year is gonna be very crucial. I think they're gonna get the right people in the main event. I would cut back on Cody. I'm not a Cody guy. Uh, he's very talented as a as a performer. I'm not a Cody guy, but because I feel like it's very Triple H light. Like everything he's done is the thing. Like he comes back, he gets revenge. He literally broke the sledgehammer. Yeah. Like, like struggle, like the struggling babyface Cody. Like you're just like, but you're also like the hell of company. <laughs> like just fire MJF. That's when the logic comes in. That's another but, good point too. Like, like, I think the Young Bucks are used well. I think Kenny Omega's used well. Like, the people who, quote, own it, end quote, or or have some stake in it. Um, like, Jericho, despite his controversy, he he does a great job in terms of character. 
and uh, I, I would bless Cody is my main thing. True. <clears throat> I got I have mixed feelings on Jericho. And more actually. women. So what? That too. You know. I mean, that's another thing as well. I mean, one thing right here is this. They're, I love the presentation. That's because mm. it's very. Because think about it, on NXT, is very black, very yellow, is gritty, but not ECW gritty. It looks boring. Yeah. Like yeah, you know the difference between soil and dirt. There's a difference here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is what I do like about AEW. What okay, AEW is this? Listen, the future is going to be very fucking. It's going to be brighter and more colorful, right? It's going to be a lot more diverse. When you look at something like NXT, it's almost like a throwback to the old school. And true, maybe you can have old school ideas, but still build upon from there if that makes any sense or not. No, you know? I think they, yeah, I think they should. I think they try, uh, you know, with the, the tag team lineage, they try to the reincorporate tag team wrestling. Um, you know, they're doing stuff like dog collar matches. Uh, what what else have they done? They, they, they've done a lot of things. I would also, and they're doing a better job with Will Hobbs. I would like, I remember for like two months, like their enhancement talent was like all black. And I was like, come on, man. You guys only have Scorpio Sky is the only one who gets a win occasionally. But I think, I think in terms of diversity, please, let's get some more diversity in there. Um, And not a virtual signal. Like there's so many talented people out there. Just use them and use them right. Like why is private party with Matt Hardy? Like it doesn't make any sense. Jeff Hardy's not coming in. Uh, no scrap that if anything um, you know they might be trying to turn matt hardy into now right well michael hayes oh you know <laughs> I, I feel for matt man i feel because he tries uh he tries so hard and he and now that he tries so hard he's succeeded but every time he's gone back to like the wwe or something they're like yeah that's great we're not gonna do that thing that made you a lot of money would make us a lot of money yeah, and then he, you know, he's he's in AEW, and then the pandemic happened, and like the broken window just kind of closed. That's it. That like, was such a waste uh, of a pop, by the way. It, it was. There was nothing you can do. I know. Could you imagine, like, when Brody Lee debuted? Yeah, it's... it would have been the camera would have started vibrating, overmodulating, and broke Broken Matt Hardy popped up. It would have been great, man. It would have been yes. great for them, but uh, now he's just kind of in this managerial role. And I think, I mean, he didn't want to do this and he, I guess he's made the right call. But yeah. if he were in the WWE now, his last couple of weeks in the WWE, and this is mind boggling about WWE, he was getting the loudest pops of the night with the feet with Randy Orton. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's an organic reaction that you, like, why, why are you not using the guy? Even if he's losing, he was the most popular guy outside of Drew McIntyre, maybe even more that those nights. Oh, totally. You know, it's, it's mind boggling, but that's why I'm not, I'm not a booker, but, <laughs> and it's four, it's six months ago. There's nothing you can do about it now. Exactly. Uh, like Jim Ross says, sponsor by Blue Chew. No, 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 no. <laughs> picture in picture. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you seen Jim Ross? It was just basically horny on Maine. Like what the fuck, man? Chill. Good. Good for him, man. His wife passed. You know, no. like let him get it out. I don't. Like, I don't Pause. Like, I think he already I, is. I, I, That's the problem. Yes, I, I mean yes, but like, like if if he's shooting his shots and, and it goes in the basket, then good for him. 
That's what I say. Yeah. Maybe less pedicure dick pics, but <laughs> look good for him. Hey, hey, hey. You know, I met him one time. Cool dude. You know, cool dude. I have too. He, you know, he was a a big feature, a big staple, and he oh, still is. He was busted open. He was a, he was a couple of interviews I got to record of his and take a photo with him and stuff. Very yeah. smart guy in terms of wrestling. Oh, totally sharp as a motherfucker. Mm. You know. All right. I also know you're under another name on Twitter, by the way. Which name is that? Langdon motherfucking Alder. There it is, Langdon Alger. <laughs> All right. It, uh... So, I don't know. So, you being a Simpsons fan, okay, what are your thoughts on, you know, voice actors getting switched out, you know, for certain characters? Um, I, I, I still watch. You can barely notice it. I think it, it's good. I think it's cool. I, it's it's definitely not something that like I cared strongly about, especially the past <laughs> couple of months. Nobody it wasn't has. like I was like, we need Carl to be black. No, like I'd much rather live. <laughs> but yes, um, there are more important issues at hand here. Way more important. I want, and I think a lot of creators also want this. I want to make sure the the production teams are also filled with people of color yes. and the writing teams and all of that. Uh, so don't just put. Uh, the, uh, a, a black guy the voicing Carl or Dr. Hibbert or something like that. Like, like, make sure your inner circle is, is is changed too. And I think with that, you would avoid. They did an hour long Empire like episode one, so it was like a Simpsons rap battle. Yeah, and it was one of the worst episodes I've ever seen them do, <laughs> and I hated it. The funniest thing about the episode was an angry geese. So that's how bad the episode was. Um, but I think I, I'm, I'm happy these people are getting opportunities and I hope that inside the writer's room and the production teams are also getting those opportunities. Yeah. Speaking of which, here's one thing that makes me wince like a motherfucker. Um, first of all, whenever there's an episode of a show, they do the corny rap battle thing. And I'm like, listen, I don't think y'all have listened to rap since MC Hammer was hot. Don't, do that. It's not funny. It's not cute. It just makes me cringe. Like this is out of your wheelhouse. Or when yeah. you, or when they do the wrestling episode, right? I'm like, okay. Nobody's done this shit since maybe 1985, maybe 88. <laughs> I hate that. You know. I mean, if you want to make some jokes, at least watch a couple episodes. Yeah. You know. I enjoyed Gorgeous Grandpa. I thought that was. A, I thought that was a good throwback. Oh, yeah. When they had him, they had uh, Grandpa Simpson pretty much be Gorgeous George. I thought that was a good way to do it. See, that makes sense. Um, like, it's pretty cheeky, you know? It, Yeah. Uh, who else? Um, South Park, I thought they had a, a, a great wrestling episode, even though I think it's one of their least, one of the least popular ones. Oh, yeah. But I, I enjoy, you know, the, the, the how wrestling became more dramatic and, like, the acting and yeah. all that stuff. I thought that, I thought that was great. To the point that, like, when Randy Orton and Edge were doing that promo, I think uh, his Twitter account was Meals, Meals TV. Uh, he was like, "This is some good wrestling." And how like, the, the the Vince McMahon with the Broadway goggles from South Park and like Broadway glasses, uh, I I think they did a good job there. But the rap ones, I don't know what you do about rap battles in TV. Maybe just don't do it. Don't do it. Because, you know. Or or get some consultants and have Thank like you. Mega Ran rap. Yes. Or I don't know. Somebody like that. You know. Like. Yeah. Okay, that reminds me too. Throwing it back. Um. All right, because, okay, going back to the 
to the classic rap battle between the Usos and the New Day, right? Oh, yeah. That was actually done pretty well because they had freaking Wale there. Yeah. And they had, and they had Mega Ran there, too. Even though he claims he had nothing, to, he didn't have much to do with what people think, at least it was still kind of there, you know? No, that was a good one. Um, that was great. And, the, you know, they had the infamous line about Paige. Yes. Uh, which is probably the, the best part about the whole thing. Uh that, that I think if you're gonna do it, yeah, you need some consultants. You need to do it right. Oh, get Kaz and Emilio, wrestle rapper. Yes. Where, where Kaz is a very busy man right now. But well, yeah. Right. Get some consultants. So is Emilio. Uh, get some consultants. Don't have white guy A writing the rap battle. It's not gonna work. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like yeah, I used to love Tone Low. Yeah, exactly. It's you not... know, then it's, you know, like okay. That reminds me too, like, okay, remember Combat Zone Wrestling? Remember that one clip with Ruckus and Human Tornado? Uh, what, it, I don't know which, which clip this one is. You know, when they started doing the breakdancing shit? Oh, yes, okay. Yes, I do know that clip. See, I feel they pulled that one off, right? Yeah. Remember in WWE, I do the dance competition shit? Which time? They do they do exactly. Time. I hate that. I always change the channel. I always feel, infel- I always feel insulted. I, I hate it, that. It's like, it's, don't do that. WWE and humor. Um, very few times do they hit. But yeah. most of the time, it was it was a miss. I think Jim Ross danced. It was terrible. Um, Michael Cole danced. It was terrible. Yeah. Eva dance-offs were like, it's, you got to drive. You got to do really bad when you want people to not look at attractive women. Like, <laughs> so they did really bad with a lot of those. Yeah, you ever see when they synced up Hotline Bling to Jim Ross Danson? Yes, I have seen that. That's the only time it worked. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, that was, and that dance was like years before. The exactly, that's what I'm saying. I you think, know? yeah, I don't know what they're doing there. They also, and I, I don't know who's in the writing teams, but definitely diversify diversify your writing teams no matter where you are that's that's the end of that story exactly whether you're south park simpsons wwe this is us i don't care what show you are have a diverse writing team all right could you see yourself writing on the simpsons um i could i would love to write on the simpsons that honestly would be a, a a goal of mine i would love to even though people say whatever they want about the seasons i would love to at least try you know, I can see that. You know, I can totally see that because I'm following you. I'm following you on Twitter for years, and I'm like, this guy's fucking hilarious. Like, this guy who perfect for perfect for The Simpsons. You know. Thank you, man. I would I would love to do it. All right. I remember you doing a bit about, you know, you want to be a rapper, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what are your thoughts on? So, okay, but you say you felt you're too nerdy to do that, right? Yeah. You ever kind of kick your ass and realize, well, shit, if nerdcore's around when I was growing up. Um, sometimes. I don't think I had the, the effort. I didn't think it was, um, my, my efforts were definitely better with comedy. I think I, uh, I, I did. Like, it, there is truth to that one. I had, I used to rap, especially like 18, and a lot of them were just like really bad Eminem heartbreak songs because I got like dumped. So oh, yeah. like they they were they were not good they were not good at all. Um, That's a whole subgenre now though the, the whole emo. Rap oh yeah. So you're there a goddamn is. pioneer. But then I I, I could have been doing a lot differently. 
But I, I think I made the right call overall, to be honest with you. Agreed. So, I don't know. Would, if you did, would you say you think you get, you know, comparisons to guys like Charles Gambino and Donald Glover, though? Uh, I think so. I think when, especially when Charles Gambino, like, came out, I was like, oh, shit. I think I, like, actually, when I heard Freaks and Geeks, I tried writing verses again. I was like, oh, I can do this. But, again, it's not my, like, strong passion. It was something that I I was inter- I was interested in, but I didn't have that effort to put in the work that that extra you know oomph that you give when you actually really really want something. It was just kind of like something that I was going through. But I and Gambino's pretty much moved away from that. He's just like in, on a whole another level now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, because I was but thinking no, I, you first. Should have been a. I should have tried a little harder. Eh. If it was in you, it was in you. If it wasn't, it wasn't, you know? Like, exactly. you know, when I was younger, actually, like, I'll put it this way. I was trying to do this. Okay, the stuff you see now is Ragecore shit. I really was trying to pull that off literally a decade ago. I'm sorry. Yeah. Damn near. Not, not actually 15 years ago. I was trying to do that shit, right? I call it Goth Op. Goth Op? Basically, I'll put it this way. I grew up on, I grew up on Instant Clown Posse, Red Flag, um, Twisted. <laughs> Um, the cure, Joy Division, shit like that. Yeah. Um, and it was just basically just me trying to be Violent J in Esham. <laughs> it happens, man. <laughs> exactly, you know. And I just didn't feel comfortable doing it, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stick to rock like how I was doing anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know. So there you go. But what do you think the future is of for for stand up comedy though? Because I'm seeing people trying to get back in. I'm seeing venues trying to open up. They're trying to figure out ways around it. What do you think the future is? Um, I think the future is it's going to always be around. I think New York has done an incredible job uh, of having their outdoor. I don't know what's going to happen in the winter, but having outdoor shows and like rooftop shows and doing that to like keep people socially distanced and still providing laughs. I know other places are open or wide up, and I don't know that I don't necessarily agree with. I mean, I guess you got to, that varies from state to state, but I think for the long term, stand up will be fine. I think, unfortunately, a lot of smaller places are going to close, like bars have closed. Uh, I'm worried about the bar show that I do. Like, they're, they're very, a tourist heavy spot. Like, they're right by Madison Square Garden. You know, that's where a lot of people come in to get their meals and get their drinks and then go watch Rangers, Knicks, whoever. Uh, so if they close, then I'm like, fuck, I need a new venue. But I think for the most part, everything's going to be fine, and people are finding ways around it, even with Zoom. But I think a lot of smaller bars that depended on stand-up or smaller uh, restaurants that would depend on stand-up as like extra income, they might be in trouble, and I'm, and I'm really hoping the best for them. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how the Zoom comedy thing works, so I'm trying to figure that out. It's fine. I, you get you get two ways. You get um, you get one where you're just telling like like you're like telling the weather or like cutting like a YouTube video or promo, or you get ones where you actually get laughter and you can hear the laughter. Uh, so that it depends on the audience or whoever you get or whatever kind of show it is. Some have audiences, some don't. Um, and I've I've done pre-recorded um stand up, which is also different. Uh, one time I did it with no takes. The other one I got kind of had to cut up because it's a little rusty. 
it's 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 different. It's never going to replace like the feel of like a live show, but I think it's another skill you can have, you know, especially if you are a comic and you're looking for new avenues, maybe YouTube or something like that, you get more comfortable in front of a camera by doing these Zoom shows and treat them treat them like shows. Just treat them like shows and I think it'll show. You know, I can see that too because I'm trying to figure out how, how this stuff works out, you know. You know, because I was, okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Well, you, well you're on Twitch, right? Yeah, I, I'm on more, you. we're more popular on YouTube than Twitch, but. All right, so you're on YouTube doing, I hate to say the thing, it's like you kind of doing the gaming thing now on, on YouTube, right? Yeah, I've been doing it for a few years, and it's something that I wanted to do even when I was still doing the Busted Open and other stuff. I, uh, it's called The Fun Factor, and it's a throwback to, like, uh, we tried to, um, like, just make sure, like, you're having fun while gaming. Similar to Three Man Booth, because so many YouTube videos and stuff is about like you know best kills, best combos, all that, and all that is great. Esports is great. I enjoy esports; it's awesome. It, but couch co-op to me, like couch co-op and that like laughing and having fun with your friends was missing. Uh, even even on like Let's Plays, it was missing. Uh, so we we my friend Drew, my best friend, got together. Uh, started recording ourselves playing video games because we would do it anyway. We'd talk shit while playing video games just without a camera in front of us. Uh, so we've been doing that for a few years. And last year we started doing the the anime reactions as well, and that really blew up as well. So I, I feel bad for anyone who goes to Kyle Lewis Comedian on YouTube and keeps getting these Final Fantasy and Inuyasha updates. But I don't really share that. You don't want to share all your bits either. No, 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 uh, no. So that's why you're seeing so many of those. But I think I I think it's a fun I think it's a fun channel I think there's something on there that people will be entertained. Whether you like my stand up, whether you like video games, whether you like anime, whether you like wrestling, there's some cool stuff there for everyone. And I I would watch it if I wasn't I it. me. I mean, the gaming while talking things a skill in itself. Like, all right, I admit it, I did fall out of gaming because there were too many fucking first person shooter games for my taste. You know. And I mean, yeah. I grew up on Doom, Wolfenstein 3D. I enjoy Halo as well, but I feel like, okay, can we do something a little more creative here? You know? Yeah, I'm, I've never been a shooter person. It's never been my thing. Yeah, you know? So it's like, I just kind of felt like, I I fell out of it, though, but whenever somebody's talking shit about gamers, I would kind of jump in and defend, you know? If I can wrote this kind of one joke about Grand Theft Auto, actually. You know? Oh, nice. But the joke was, I'm paraphrasing here, the joke was... You know, I remember I was talking to this one girl said, you know, when I was young, my my dad didn't play video games. I'm like, I've heard stories about your dad. He would get drunk every Saturday night, fight the cops, go to the other side of his town, slap his girlfriend, and get drunk as shit again, and just crash a car. That nigga was Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I'm still working. I haven't done that. I made that quip in years, so I kind of forgot it, though. But you get the, get the gist of it. No, that's a good joke. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> kind of trying right over here. Um. So yeah. So I'll put it that way. I never could understand the hatred for it. It's like leave people the fuck alone. They need something. Yeah, I think um, people just there's always gonna be a like wrestling. There's always gonna, like even comedy. There's always gonna be a stigma about certain things. There's gonna be a stigma about games. There's stigma about nerd culture, and being more involved in it. You know, I see it. I see the. Uh, the more toxic sides now, at least oh, of totally. the nerd culture. 
Uh, but there's a lot of positivity that can be had through all of that. Like yes. Some of my some of my best friends I know through wrestling and gaming, and we're not these quote shut-ins that stay inside and mom's basement and do all of that. We only did that when Smash Brothers first came out. We went outside eventually, but <laughs> that's not <laughs> that's not. Um, that's not everybody and you can learn from gaming you can be exposed to different cultures while gaming like it, it, it same I won't say with wrestling because wrestling will be like hey guys here's the dancing black guy uh, <laughs> like, here's a black guy that's voodoo yeah here's the black guy who does voodoo you're like ah oh, crap even though but, I feel that seriously if they re-debut a Papa Strong with the higher power it opened late as fuck was that the plan? I really feel like all right. They really want to. I, I, I heard Daniels was the, was a plan once, and I didn't and I and I didn't know if Papa Shango. Well, he was already there. He was the Godfather. So exactly. But I found some photos. I found yeah. some photos of when they were going to rebrand the character, where they're going to bring back Papa Shango back, right? Yeah, I remember seeing those. So I'm like, I'm not saying, but wouldn't it been kind of funny if he ended up being the higher power? That <laughs> would have been like Papa Shango. I mean, it would have made sense. Like it's more badass version of him. Uh, yeah, it no, just like you know, and just like you know, this badass version of everything, right? And like way more menacing, and just get, almost like Spawn, you know, just yeah. get the shit out of you, you know. It would have been pretty dope to me. Yeah, I mean, move over, Godfather. Exactly. <laughs> got got I, Papa Shango. I, no, I think there's one meme about Godfather and Overton from Living Single. Like I didn't realize how much the guys they look the same. Yes. So. <laughs> What I wrote, I put a picture of um, John Hedden at Overton. I said, yeah. um, and it's like you know, it's like me at work, and a picture of Godfather, me at me off the clock. That's a good one. I like it. I mean, for a second, people actually thought it was like, wait, he was like, no, 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 it's dude from Living Single. But it kind of fucked with me for a second. I was like, they do kind of fade. They do. They do look similar. They have a similar <laughs> face structure. Yes. Uh, I I think. Um, Godfather actually, or the Charles Wright character. <laughs> has one of the, my favorite WWE stories of all time. And yeah. it was one of those things that WWE, like, you put on Velocity and just forget about. So he was the Godfather for a while. Then he became the good father. Then he came back as the Godfather. And he went legit. No more hoes. It was escorts because 2002. Yeah, and right. then he actually went out of business and turned heel because he tried to be going the straight and narrow. And he failed. This is actually in the, the kayfabe. So the Godfather was heel in 2002 for a little bit, angry because the hoes weren't, the, the escorts um, weren't bringing in business, and he had to shut down. So he was mad at everybody, and then he got released, and then the next time you saw him, like, backstage with Mark Henry, he had a wife. So he went through this whole phase of hoeing and escorting, and then now he's married and a different person, and I was like, this is the best story they've never told. You're right. I've come to think about it i do remember that angle but for some reason i i kind of forgot about it till like right now it was always on like velocity or something then they would see him passing when they're like the godfather is like angry because the the escort service isn't doing well you think <laughs> all right do you think well actually they kind of do or they have Saturday night, they already have main event but do you think it would actually help that they had shows like velocity or stuff like that you think it'll actually help now like you just want the online thing, or is um, that a bygone era? No, I think they have. I think they have them. They just have. There are too many shows 
because you have main event and technically 205 lies to Velocity because Velocity was the show where you had the cruiserweights kind of kill it for the most part. Yeah. And then maybe some up and comers. Uh, but you between a three hour Raw, two hour SmackDown, and now two hour NXT. Okay, good point. You you are wiped. <laughs> you know, right. uh, back then it was just two hours a week, and then your weekend shows. And on Heat was Heat. Stevie Richards would would like kill it on Heat, and Velocity was like where you would see like Psychosis and Hooventude and Akio and. I mean, Ed, so I guess, yeah, it's a bygone era. Yeah, you're right. Too many freaking shows. Because Heat was my shit, though. I love that. Yeah, for a while, Heat was, like, important. Heat was, like, was. the third brand. It was. For a long time. You know, I really enjoyed that, too, you know. But, all right, speaking of which, I was thinking AEW Dark, right? I always feel this way. Maybe mm. some of the goofier shit, so to speak, that's on AEW Dynamite. Maybe you should put on AEW Dark. I would yeah. see that. I don't watch that much AEW Dark. I watch Abaddon. Like, when Abaddon has a match, I'll watch her because it's freaking weird and I love it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll watch, um, I'll use, or like Penelope Ford. And I swear I watch men too. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, uh, I watch, they just started doing this storyline with like Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon like breaking up. And they're, I, the last time I saw it, and I think the conclusion is actually tonight. Neither person has gotten a win yet in the whole year of AEW, hmm. and they're both fighting each other. They're not a team anymore, but they're fighting for their first win. Hmm. And last, the last time they fought, they fought to a double countout, which was like beautiful. <laughs> that was a genius. So now I want to see who's going to get the first win if they actually do it. I hope they get double disqualified. I really do. Makes sense. All right, well, Kyle, you know, great chatting with you. You know. Is there anything else you wanted to check out? Um, yeah, I think great chat with you, of course. Thank you. Uh, you can check out uh, my social media handles at Keep It Five Star F I V E S T A R. Uh, that'll be the quickest way you know when I'm doing a show because I'm doing a couple of live shows every now and then. Mm-hmm. No, we're still in a pandemic, so I'm not like running out here doing a regular schedule. Uh, no. But also, um, youtubecom Keep It Five Star. You'll see uh, some stand-up clips. You'll see if you like wrestling, if you like gaming, if you like anime. There's stuff for there. There's stuff for you there too. So please check that out. Uh, we last year we did a podcast, anything but generic. We did our first season. It's about like sex and dating and pop culture. So there's like wrestling stuff there too, and there's comedy stuff. There's a lot of fun episodes with our friends Drew and Victoria and. It's worth checking out if you're looking for a podcast. Season two, we'll be back eventually. We're trying to figure that out too. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's a lot to find me and subscribe to the Twitch. We need it. Twitch.tv/slash oh, Keep It Five Star. Please, I got like 11 people on the Twitch. For the love of God, no, it's okay. Okay, so basically, if it's Keep It Five Star, that's you. Yes. All right. Cool. That that, that is me. F I V E. Anybody else? Because because it's a Kyle Lewis baseball player and like. That's not me. Yeah. Well, what about your website, too? Yeah, KyleLewisWasTaken.com. It's, uh, it's a cool website. I just kind of use other stuff <laughs> to promote. Because Squarespace is really shitty about their calendar. That's one of the main reasons why I'm not on it like that. Oh, okay. It's a weird calendar-like thing. But, yeah, check it out. Um, I should give it another update. All right, cool. Great chat with you, man. No, great chat with you. This was awesome.
Hey, that was Kyle Lewis. Check him out on Twitter, Instagram, under the name Keep It Five Star. That's Keep It Five Star, as in K E E P I T F I V E S T A R. Again, the name is Keep It Five Star. Peace.